Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Andrew, I'm not going to comment on gender reveals, whether they're a good or a bad thing. I thought tonight's gender reveal in Orlando after the U.S. men's national team's win over El Salvador that put them into the semifinal of the Nations League, I thought it was fine. What I found strange was that the the uh, stadium announcer did not change his WWE-style delivery at all for this kind of more, we'll say, gentle event. He's screaming, it will be a girl! Like, you know, it's like... All <laughs> well, I what's the better say, way to do it? Ah, I know, but it just... it was. How would you do it? I'm, first of all, I... He starts off, ladies and gentlemen, can you take your attention to the north end of the stadium? And it was all like, I was like, what's going on here? Um, I don't know. I found it. I found it just a bit weird. I don't think there's any good way to do that, to be honest with you. The the reveal or the announcement of it? The if reveal you're... was fine. Look, the reveal it was, was great. The reveal was good because it was just powder in that ball. And the pink powder comes out and Matt Turner's going to have a girl. We have seen incidents on the west coast of the United States where it's been pyrotechnics and the next thing you know, there's a forest fire. Right. So I'm just glad for the powder. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. Just like that, all the good vibes have returned. The vibes Nothing are bad ever even happened here. Yeah, and the and the Ricardo Pepe reveal that he's still a good player was nice to see too. Uh, here's my, my final question about the gender reveal before we get into the actual nuts and bolts of the game. Um, what if they had lost? Such a good question. <laughs> do, still, do they still do it? That w- you can't, right? No, right? No, shouldn't do it. Yeah, and they get just not reading the room. They get destroyed on USMNT Twitter. If you spent more time caring about saving shots rather than having kids. <laughs> How about focus a bit more on your high line, 
rather than your kids. Yeah. Yeah. That'll show them. Uh, it's sad, but true. Those tweets would be out there. Oh, a thousand percent. Uh, winning is a great elixir. Yeah. Um, what a fun show we have coming up for you here on this this lovely Monday evening slash Tuesday morning, whenever you're consuming this. We're going to talk, of course, about the U.S. and their 1-0 win over El Salvador to advance to the semifinal round of the CONCACAF Nations League. We'll talk a little bit about what we all, I mean, we've pretty much already analyzed Conte out at Tottenham. I mean, we've we've kind of done two shows on it, essentially, yeah. <laughs> just like waiting for the official announcement, which we all knew was coming. It finally has. We'll kind of put it to bed and, and maybe give a f- couple of final thoughts on it. Um, JJ, I know you have some stuff you want to say about um, Ireland's valiant effort against <sighs> France um, in, in qualifying over in UEFA. It was. Um, look, it was it was one of those games where I'm I'm frustrated that it wasn't a draw. Uh, that we didn't get a point, that we didn't get something from it. But, um, you know, maybe looking at the two sides, what am I complaining about? I mean, the French, I was sat beside a guy watching the game and we kept looking at at each other at the French second half substitutes. Some of the player, too many comes onto the field, just saunters on. Mm. Oh, there he is. You know, Koundé, just the depth, the absolute depth, just incredible. Yeah, I, I meant that only as a tease. You've kind of now taken this and you're now leading the show with it. Uh, no, I know. I, I'll stop. I'll save some of my stuff there for, we go. for later. There we go. Some of my regr- recriminations. Yeah. Um, but like we mentioned, the U.S., they, they get the job done somewhat narrowly. Good second half, poor first half. Before before we even kind of get to like game-related stuff, look, I knew that I know that they didn't get new jerseys. Like, I know that. I know that there was no announcement. I don't know what I was expecting. But there was still part of me when they came out wearing those things again that, like, my initial reaction when I saw it was still just like, oh, still with this? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I was just like, I don't know. I just thought, like, maybe, like, the World Cup's over and we'll just have something else that we can wear now. But, oh, still, I got to look at the, these things. I, I w- they haven't grown on me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I thought I thought it might happen. It hasn't happened. Um, also, uh, jerseys aside, right before the start of the second half, I I was paying furious attention as everybody was because it was the shot that was on TV. It wasn't like I had my own camera, but people were would have been looking at uh, Gio Reyna talking to Christian Pulisic right before the kickoff. And I was like, "Ooh, what's happening there?" After after what I said, but they seem very professional and kind of focused. So sure. I guess that was good. Um, but yeah, uh, in- interesting game, game of two halves. Andrew, the old cliche. Yeah, um, I, I just have a few kind of overarching points. You can say whatever you want off of them. I don't have too much else about it. I, I really have very little on the Grenada match um i don't know what to really take away from it they did what they were supposed to i have an excellent pitch report oh oh nice okay i mean some of the some of what happened in that game the themes will kind of tie into this one um but some of my points here i forget who it was i I gotta go back on twitter some some u.s soccer commentator talked about el salvador for all the the american fans that were kind of frustrated with how it was going and uh he made the point of essentially like if you're like, yeah, obviously the U.S. should win. We expect them to beat 
pretty much everyone in CONCACAF at home. And yes. El Salvador is certainly one of those teams that we expect them to be beating. But if if you are somebody that just thinks they're going to beat El Salvador 5-0 every 4-0 every time they they match up with them like then you kind of you just kind of haven't been watching over the past several years. Like this team is just they're just difficult. I don't know how else to say it. I don't think that that's a loser mentality. Oh, the US should be clobbering this little club. What do you this little nation what are you talking about? I mean, you think that all you want, but it's just like these are how these games go. So I'm not going to sit here and, and have a panic attack over a game that was you know, won a little more narrowly than we would have liked. I think, uh, you know, you can think that. I, I think, yeah, it'd be nice to have at least had a little bit of a cushion against them. But it doesn't I guess I'm just saying it doesn't necessarily shock me anymore when we don't blow out El Salvador. I agree with you. And I think El Salvador were extremely well set up tonight. If you, if you looked in the first half, how they kind of tried to limit the U.S.'s ability to play through them. Um, I, I thought, you know, generally the U.S. could have moved the ball a little bit quicker. Um, I think it was Anthony Hudson said at halftime, a great line. The game was too transition-y. Um, yes, yeah. Which, which I agree with him. He wanted more control. He, he did not want this kind of... Uh, it wasn't quite end to end. The US were were well on top in terms of possession, but it was a little bit too fractious in the middle of the park. The ball was being given up. Teams were were going down. The opposition was going to working off breaks. He wanted more control. He wanted he wanted more of a of an impact or an imprint rather of the US on the game. And I get that. Um, but I saw a lot of things I saw under Bearhalter uh, in this game that uh, you know before the World Cup, during the World Cup. The way we finish, Andrew, the final third, that last pass, that last cross, still not right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and when we're on top of teams, it makes us makes it harder to put your El Salvadors away when you don't take those. For example, the McKinney chance before halftime, the header. I don't know what happened there. It, they said on the broadcast, maybe he got caught between two minds. That could be. He's in sort of a, a weird angle where like, I could see half of your brain thinking I should center this and the other half thinking I got to put this on goal. You got to put it on goal. Like, I I, I think that that need like it's you and the keeper. Yeah, the angle's strange, but he's good in the air. He's great with his head. It's it's got to at least be an attempt on net. Uh, So that that was a clear mistake. No question about it. Great ball from Pulisic, but McKinney's got to put that on net. Yeah. And you say great ball from Pulisic. That's one of the few set pieces on the night from Pulisic that I thought was really high quality. I thought a lot of them were were not great. Um, but then again, Anthony Robinson, a few crosses where you're like, okay, get it in. Daryl DK is in the center. Get it to him. Overhits the cross, misses the man out. You know, there was, we lacked that little bit of quality. At times, Zendejas and Reina got on the ball an awful lot. Now, I thought Reina was better on the ball than Zendejas was in the first half in particular. Yeah, I mean, Zendejas, he had a good job dribbling through traffic at one point, drew a foul just outside the box. Yeah. Um, but we just lacked a little bit of cutting edge at the end of the, at the at the business end of the field. And you can't say like we haven't seen that before. No, this looked like every U.S. match I've seen from the last three years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, you know, it was not that different. And by the way, should it be like, I don't know, it's pretty much the same team. Um, but you'd like us to be you'd like us to be just more clinical. I can't think of a better yes. word. We've said that. I mean, that we could. To copy and paste that line from a lot of USMNT reaction podcasts over the last few years. There's no question about it. By the way, I found the tweet that I was referring to. It was from Steve Davis. 
He said, everyone's surprised by how USMNT is struggling somewhat tonight. Hasn't been paying attention to how tough these Hugo Perez, uh, Hugo Perez coached El Salvador teams have been in recent years versus the U.S. And it's true. It's true. It's absolute- Give them credit. Give him credit. No, it's absolutely true. And their game plan, for the most part, worked really well. In fact, I was kind of... I was kind of shocked that the goal that they actually did finally concede was such a basic principle. They allowed a passing lane where Weston McKinney could whip it round. And now it's a great finish from Pepe. I don't care what anyone says. Great strength to hold the defender off and then lift it up. But of, of all the goals I thought they'd score, I didn't think it'd be that one. And I think, uh, I think Perez and El Salvador would have been very upset to concede that. Yeah. What do you mean uh, you don't care what anyone says? Are people... Are people out there saying that that was not a good finish? Um, it was no, fantastic. I don't, I don't think so, but no, no. I, maybe I'm 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 not saying that that correctly. That, that might seem like a basic finish. It's a brilliant finish. Is yeah, what I mean, yeah. yeah. So, which brings me to the other thing I wanted to talk about. Um, you know, for all uh, look, the conversation rolls on in terms of who is the U.S.'s striker. Like that, you know, it, it was Daryl DK to start tonight. Didn't really get the job done. We're all still courting. Following uh, Balogun. Um, but if you're Ricardo Pepe, um, this is this is what you should be doing. Like if, if we as American fans and analysts want to sit here and say we still don't have that guy. I mean, this is like I'm not the conversation doesn't end tonight. No, but three goals in two games. You know, a couple of them being particularly difficult, impressive finishes from tough angles. This, like you said, a ch- a little chip shot with a defender on him uh, from a, a tight angle, the keeper bearing down. Like these are, this is what you are supposed to be doing if you are going to prove to everyone that you're the right guy for the job. Again, he's got to do it over a larger swath of, of, of a larger sample size for us to say, okay, you've done it. It's you now. You're You're at the head of the line. But like, this is this is what it would be. So, you know, great for him. Like, especially too, like, you know, I'm sure these guys aren't immune to the fervor going the like Balogun mania going around. The fact that he's in Orlando, like it's it's all so present around this team and the desperation of this fan base to have this striker come in. Why is that? Why are we so desperate? Because we don't think any of these guys are cut out for that job and we want this guy to do it. So they must be hearing that noise. And so like, I like seeing a guy like Ricardo Pepe stand up and, and respond to that and score a couple, you know, three goals in two games. Like I said, in this, in this window, some of them tough. Like, I, I think that that says something about this guy. He, you know, he didn't make the world cup squad. He's not hanging his head. He's been good for his club team. He's come right back into this, the side doing a great job for them. So like, I don't know. It's, um, he was somebody I walked out of this feeling really good about. Definitely. And, um, and like you said, the fervor around Balogun, there was the American outlaws were in the stands with signs. Yeah. That basically said, Balogun, join us. I I've, I don't think I've ever seen that. You know, on I mean, it's a, it's a full blitz. This is what, rec- this is what international recruitment looks like. It, I think it's the way it's going to be in the future. I think that's what's going to happen. But you're right. You can't be a striker like, hey, I'm here. I'm Daryl DK. I'm playing for, for West Brom in the championship. Hey, have you noticed me? Right, right, by you're... the way, Orlando City is where he made his name. Right, it's like, right. It's like they don't even they moved on to Balogun. Yeah, it's uh, it, it was quite something. But you're right. Um, I, Pepe's going to feel that, and for him to come on and to score, I mean, that just for his for his confidence, uh, it, it's so important. 
now, none of this is to say that I don't desperately want Balogun. Like, I'm not trying to make it like, yeah, take no. that. Uh, take that, you outsider. Haven't yeah, you started writing letters to Balogun's agent and, and his family and, and close ones? I've, I've, I heard there's a restraining order or something. Yeah, I've been fly. I've been I've been hiring out airplanes to fly overhead with the with love letters to him. You've been asked to stop. Yeah, uh, but I won't. Nothing will stop my resolve. So no, I I, I want him because I want all the good players here because I want them to push each other. And when you know I want there to be depth when guys get hurt, you know, or get right. yellow card, red cards, whatever. Like I I want there to be somebody who's next up in line where we won't feel it. Um, and so like. Yeah, like, I, yeah, of course, I, I desperately want him here. And if he commits tomorrow, I would say, okay, well, for what he's done in Europe, I think that you could probably still put him in the front of the line. I think he gets first shot. But I, I guess what I'm saying is, I just, I like, I want to see all these guys succeed. I'm not rooting against any of them. I want them all to be good. Uh, and so that's, you that's, know, that's so one wonderfully quaint and naive. And I just want everyone. Why is it naive? I want everybody to be happy. You know, I, I'm root. Is it? It's naive for me to root for all of the American players to play well. No, naive isn't the word. It's uh, it's utopian. It's it's nice. It's very I mean, nice. It's a, it's a it's a lovely Christmas story, is what it is. <laughs> it really is Andrew's Christmas jumper. <laughs> yes, if there was a Hallmark Channel for soccer Christmas movies, then we would have one about the whole team just loving each other and playing great. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I, I still have a great feeling about where this Balogun situation is heading. I kind of thought if you told me, JJ, before the game tonight, you said, OK, here's what's going to happen. The U.S. is going to win. And then after the game in, on the field in front of everyone in attendance, an announcement of some sort is going to be made. JJ, I think I would have bet my life savings that it was that they would announce Balogun right there in front of the field. I don't think I would have guessed Matt Turner having a baby girl. <laughs> what would have happened if instead of that small football, it was all the team get together. It's a massive, like man-sized football and Turner kicks it and out of the middle of the ball emerges Balogun in a yeah. full kit. And then the PA announcer announces to the stadium, it's a Balogun. Perfect. Yeah. Absolutely perfect. Like uh, he, he hatches fully formed into the world. Right. Like um, Ace Ventura coming out of the rhinos in Ace Ventura 2. Oh, all right. Why did you take it there? Too far. Oh, wow. Too far. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I thought it was kind of kind of interesting to see those signs tonight. And I, I, I do get it. I just I'm, I, I'm not sure I'm used to that kind of high level courting uh, that's going on. Um, I mean, it. I'm trying to remember now with Dest. I know that there was like there was a full court press going on with that uh, for him specifically. I don't remember it quite as much with Yunus Musa, but with Dest, I know that it was it was pretty intense. But I yeah, remember, this is this feels me, a little bit different. Maybe because maybe because there's just it's more of a glamour position. Um, you know, it's a goal scorer. Like this guy's at the center of highlight reels. He's on loan from Arsenal, which is a huge club. Like this one does feel maybe a little bit bigger. But Dest was pretty big, too. Dest was big. I remember whatever happened the week before he declared for the U.S., there were some quotes came out in the Dutch press, and it didn't sound good. And me and you recorded a podcast basically saying, he ain't coming. Yeah, I think I remember that. Yeah, and so we were so pleasantly surprised. And the big key factor in, the, in, the, in, in everything that happened with Dest was that he just loved his involvement through the youth ranks, and he loved uh, playing with those guys. So it was very much a feeling. 
Now, how do you foster that in, in, in Balogun? Um, I think he's, he's a guy who probably will look at the English lineup, think he was disappointed that he wasn't called up, and he will look now and he think, I can absolutely start for the US. I can, I'm going to be at a World Cup. I could be leading the line in a World Cup. This is... This... A World Cup in that, in that my, my country, by the way. Yeah. So I, I do feel like this is, uh, this is happening now. But it's amazing, though. It, it, it was, what if Gart Sauket had, had said, all right, I'm, I'm, car- I'm, I'm calling you up for the game against Ukraine? Or, or what would have happened then? I think he would have gone to England. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, but it's okay. We're, we're content to be everyone's second choice. That's all right. Okay. Um, also in this game tonight, other things that, that you got to leave feeling good about. I mean, jeez, Miles Robinson. Um, just Andrew, seeing him play again after this such a catastrophic injury and playing so well, it's like nothing. It's like you nothing has happened, nothing's changed. You blink your eyes and it's the same guy. I that moment, I'm trying to remember who the El Salvadorian player was. I think, I think it was he. I'm not sure, but it's a foot race. And Miles Robinson eats up the ground, gets on the ball, and plays just a pat. And you're like, that is so good to see. He had that other interception as well late on. Now, I know the flag had gone up for offside, but he he, he sprints back in and makes the tackle. It was so good to see it. It was absolutely brilliant. And um, it doesn't feel like he's been gone that long because so much has happened in between times. Um, yeah. but, but it was so good to have him back, definitely. Yeah, uh, he tweeted just a few minutes ago. Um the U.S. men's national team, the, the official account has a picture of him, and it says, after almost 11 months of recovery, at Miles Robinson is back. That was from uh, just before the game. He tweeted just seven minutes ago, uh, so much hard work to get me back to this point. So nice to come back to a win and clean sheet. Um, yeah, he was he was brilliant. Um, I thought that it was a, just a great game for him. His recovery speed, it seemed unchanged. Um, his positional awareness seemed unchanged. And, you know, Watching it tonight, it's one of the great, it's one of the great American soccer unanswerable questions of this era. So the domino effect, presumably, of his injury was that it allowed Tim Ream the chance to be on the World Cup squad. If Miles Robinson never gets hurt, what is the back line for the U.S. at a World Cup? Is it do we the assumption was always that, oh, he has this this partnership with Walker Zimmerman that this yeah. is what it's going to be. And we're all resigned to that. But could it have been like, is there a world where Bearhalter would still have seen through everything? And even with Robinson healthy, he still would have brought Ream and still had the, the courage, essentially, to 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 remove either Robinson or Zimmerman from that back line and go with I mean, what I presume to be their best options would have been a Miles Robinson, Tim Ream center back pairing I, I think that that i think that would have been brilliant we'll we'll never know what they would have done who knows Reem might not have made the squad i i wouldn't underestimate just how good reem's form was in 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 that selection oh you no, don't have right. to convince me i was shouting it for for months leading up to the tournament right i i, I do think bearhalter just thought like how can i not bring this guy a veteran playing this well at, in this moment he's got to go but obviously miles robinson's injury kind of i suppose made that even more uh, clear in in Bearhalter's mind that that he needed to bring the the veteran who's in in top form. I honestly think he still goes. You think about how he played from uh, August to October. 
I mean, he was he was so good, and it was every week on our screens. You know, there was he wasn't hiding out in the somewhere in in the lower reaches of the Dutch of the area divisie or anything. He was like front and center. So, um, I think he was going anyway. Although the journey to get to that point is still amazing to me because, uh, I mean, he was he was yesterday's man. No one was talking about him until he just had this run of form, and in, in the end, it proved to be the correct decision to bring him. Yeah, um, I don't have too many other thoughts on this. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Gio Reyna before. I don't really have a ton to say about his performance tonight. It was I liked some things a lot that I saw uh, in the first half. The little the little interchange with Sergio Dest on the right uh, to play Dest in. With he's 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 really good in those spaces. The sh- the chance that he had where he hit the post, where him and P- uh, Pulisic link up, that was a beautiful move. And that's the kind of invention and 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 um, just a little bit of inspiration you need against a, a team like El Salvador. The ball uh, that Pulisic plays back to him is really really good too. It should be said. Like and how El Salvador didn't know that that was absolutely on, um, but it was still good invention. And then he comes inside with like four defenders around him and hits the post. So there, he wasn't amazing. He didn't blow you away or whatever. But there were some very nice touches uh, in there. And if you were talking about the battle of the creative players. Uh, in there, you would have said that he was he was definitely um, all right. The first half wasn't great from from anybody, but uh, no. you couldn't you couldn't but watch his performance at times and think, yeah, he's he's got that bit of class. Um, I thought he was, I thought he was good at times, um, but uh, yeah. Other than that, you know, the first half, the highlights didn't lie. It's not like the U.S. created a ton. No, there were no highlights. It was no. McKinney's opportunity right at the end of the half. Yeah, that was. I mean, Matt Turner made one good save at the other end. Um, I'll say this as my as my campaign for Hudson for manager begins as we <laughs> off right now. I'll, I'll say this about him at least: um, everything he wanted to change did. You know, whatever. Like he said, like you talked about at halftime. We don't. We didn't. The words that he, I remember him using. We didn't have, we don't have control of the game, like you said, too transitiony, yeah. <laughs> which I enjoyed. But like this idea of not having control of the game. Whatever he went back into the locker room at halftime and said, whatever adjustments were made, they they all happened. The game completely changed right from the the second half kickoff and pretty much all throughout. Um, you know, the U.S. they hit the post, they controlled possession for large portions of the second half. It wasn't necessarily like a relentless onslaught because we never see that with this team. That's just not something that they do, but they did control a lot of the ball, got themselves in good positions. Um, so, you know, credit to him. I mean, whatever adjustments he wanted to have made in the second half, clearly the message was received and they did all of those things. So, you know, props to, uh, props to the, uh, the interim, the fill-in, the, this, the current Dave Sarakin, of the U.S. men's oh, national team. Let's not go down that emotional road with you. <laughs> There's a lot of baggage. To Daddy Dave. <laughs> uh, one um, one, one yeah. thing I will say, um, that there was this move in the 51st minute, and it kind of sums up where I'm at with this team in, in, in that final attacking moment. It was uh, Yunus Musa, lovely little ball into Zendejas. Like it was, it was very, very tight. And he just chips it to the back post. You're like, good, good. Oh, nobody there. Uh-huh. And that's where you want your your Balogun, or, or that's where you want any of your strikers, really. So I, I think that kind of summed it up for me. There's there's still a lot to be done, um, but yeah, it was good second half, good result. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much my feeling on it as well. 
Um, and boy, it's setting up now for uh, it's going to be a fun summer. Nations League semifinal, Gold Cup, Women's World Cup. Like this is this is going to be a pretty busy international summer for the for U.S. soccer. It's going to feel like 2019 again, isn't it? Oh no, excuse me, 2021. That was Nations League right into Gold Cup. Yeah. It seemed like there was a lot happening. But this and this also has the addition, the Women's World Cup as well. Which is going to be, I mean, that's obviously that's the biggest tournament of all of them. Yeah, a lot going on. It's going to be a, going to be great fun. We're going to be busy. A lot of potting going to be going on uh, with these with these folks here. Oh, the boys will be a potting. Uh, one other mention um, about this game before we move off of it. Taylor Booth, glad to see him. Uh, in this international window, get some time with the team. He's done great things at club level. Uh, it has obviously not gone unnoticed. He's been brought in. Uh, I thought he he was a part of a lot of the action in the second half. You know, he's the mo on him. He's going to play in a good ball. He's going to he knows how to cross, uh, and it's a strength of his. And it's something that this team could use. Uh, and he had opportunities. Did play in a bunch. No I mean, real great connections, but he, he took boy he took one to the face though. Spent the last ten minutes of the game nursing a bloody nose, which would not stop bleeding. It was it's kind of hard to look at. I'll be honest. There there was a lot of blood in the in the mouth area. It was it was something. Yeah, that's just, that's just not a fun injury. No, we've no. all you all, everybody's had you have you have those ever? I took an elbow right to the nose once playing basketball. It didn't stop bleeding for like two days. No, and the elbow is such a vicious weapon. The elbow is just, it's just so sharp and it, it's, I would far sooner take a punch than an elbow. We've had this conversation before. Like an elbow will do such damage compared to a, a punch. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, actually. gross. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that will put a bow on our, <laughs> on this, on this win for the U.S. 1-0 over El Salvador, like we said, into the Nations League semifinal. Um, I'd be curious for all your thoughts. We'll obviously have another podcast later this week. Um, and being that we aren't quite back into club soccer just yet, we will maybe have a few final thoughts on this, and we would like them to be yours. Um, so at CO Soccer Pod on Twitter, CaughtOffsidePod at gmail.com, CaughtOffsidePod yeah. on Caught Instagram. Yeah, CaughtOffsidePod on Instagram if you want to yeah. slide into Andrew's DMs. I'm, I don't have an Instagram account, and you have never given me the password to the show account, so I really have I, – I can't get on even if I wanted to. I know, but it's not the place for you. The gram is not for Andy. I think it really, it's probably much more than Actually, Twitter. It might suit you because there's nice pictures. Yeah. And not as much reading. And then, uh, of course, the animals as well. I uh, The animals were seemed very disappointed that I told you that I uh, scolded you for um, interacting and being mean to them uh, on, on Reddit. And so, you know what? All right. If it's what you guys want, JJ, berate away. But, the, but that's, you see, I. There, you were right. There's definitely been times on Twitter where I've been just an an ass. Yeah, it's uh, I I've almost had to block our own account because I can't <laughs> I can't watch it. But that but that's no longer really the case anymore. I'm much more like I'm much more because I don't know. I'm I'm much more interested in what people have to say and like it's not all about me. But the idea that I'm definitely not doing that on the Reddit. I am not berating combative, people. rude, hurt. Am I just a bad person, though? <laughs> I might just be a bad person. You might be right. Maybe I don't see it. At no point have I... Come on. No. Now, come combative on. I've never rude. said that. Combative and rude are not the hallmarks of a good guy. <laughs> oh, you love my friend JJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't wait to meet him. What's he like? Combative and rude. 
Maybe it's taken this moment for us to reveal some things. Interesting. I'll tell you what, let's take a break. We'll collect ourselves. We'll think more about what kind of person JJ is and and the way he treats others. Please don't. I can't take it. Uh, When we come back, a little bit of uh, Antonio Conte stuff, a little bit of France, England, and maybe, uh, or France, Ireland, I'm sorry. And maybe I was going to mention England as well. Um, An English guy I work with is, is, gone james madison crazy after his performance he just thinks that like southgate is a complete dunce for not having used him previously so we'll talk a little bit about some of that um lots to do still here on a uh, on a fun edition of caught offside don't go anywhere everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh, back now. Caught offside late, late Monday evening, rain-soaked night. Not nice. No, no, it's not. But I'll tell you what was nice. And it, it, even though it was rain-soaked, uh, hung out with, with my old buddy JJ over the weekend. We had our own uh, reveal of sorts. Yeah, yeah. Went down to um, to Brooklyn to uh, one of your favorite one of your favorite stomping grounds, the Black Horse. Great yes, bar. Sir. All my friends surprised me with a baby stag. Is that what we ended up calling it? I don't know. So it was, I'm very proud of myself. There were many times on this podcast in the weeks leading up where I almost said things such as, I'll be seeing you this weekend or things like that. But I kind of caught myself because it was a surprise. We, we all surprised JJ because as, as he very casually dropped in a few weeks ago, JJ is going to be having a baby um, or his, his girlfriend is going to be having a baby. Oh no, no, we're no, we're saying we're pregnant. Okay, because <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah we're, no. we're pregnant now in this process. But you know, so, like... so it was decided that a surprise party should be thrown for JJ <laughs> in this, and was so um, yeah, so we all went to the Black Horse. Got there about half an hour before you. We thought the best way to hide was to do so in plain sight. <laughs> when we were told you were approaching, everyone just turned around. <laughs> <laughs> that'll show him um, he'll never figure out that but uh but it was great it was super fun i'll tell you what man and you'll you'll definitely see this soon now that you're going to be having a, a kid shortly but like okay again i don't i feel like i preface so many sentences by saying i swear having kids is the greatest thing in the world you all know how i feel my kids are the best i love them dearly it's amazing mm. but god in heaven just like just like the four hours of just like at a bar with 10, 15 guys, whatever it was, drinking and not thinking about anything. It was just, it was glorious. It, it was wonderful. It, it is. You need it. 
It's a rare pleasure. And you you were Andrew Unbound. You were just, you were so relaxed. <laughs> it, was, it was great. And, and I, I like to see you like that. I mean, let's. I'm usually like that. No, you are. I know, but you love you love that. People think that you, you know, they they think maybe they get the impression because I've been kind of with, without child for so long that, and I'm you know, the tightly wound, right? Yeah, but it's not the case. You you can you can have fun with the best of them, uh. and uh, you enjoy that. And you're in the bar and you're just watching sports, and it's it's lovely. It's absolutely. I mean, we, lovely. we were watching Haiti Montserrat. And loving it, yeah, uh, absolutely. And Bermuda and Guyana, just loving it. And uh, yeah. we were doing pitch reports on all those fields, little stadium reports. It was uh, it was funny because when I came into the bar, everybody goes, "Well, actually, we're not here to see you. It's just an excuse to watch uh, like whoever was it, Bulgaria and Switzerland, or whoever was on at that time." So, yeah, <laughs> no, you just happened and, to be there. Yeah, it was lovely, and it was great, great to see so many people come out. Um, well, congratulations again. We were happy hey, to listen, celebrate you. Yeah, nothing's happened yet. We're we're very much in. I, I'm very much in. Okay, let's just get this thing over the line now. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I get that. When is the due date, by the way? Uh, June first. So, um, but we may be, we, we may be a little bit earlier than that. So, what do you have? Like some kind of secret source in the womb? <laughs> we go live now to the womb where things are moving rather quickly. <laughs> No, uh, I, I think the doctors were suggesting it could be a couple of days before that. So. Okay. Well, right. plenty of time for us to have another surprise party in your honor. Yeah. <laughs> Remember we said that we were just going to make up excuses to do this every weekend. <laughs> yep. Oh, it's Andrew. Is uh, It's Luke lost one of his baby teeth, so we got to get together for that one. We're going to have a surprise party. Oh, for Luke? No, no, no. For the for the dad. Yeah. Where's Luke going to be? Well, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> Uh, let's see. So Antonio Conte officially got sacked by Tottenham on uh, what have Sunday we to add evening. to this story? Really, uh, there is no. I mean, all the the post mortem. It's one of the few instances that I can really remember where uh, a, a man a, a firing w- was this obvious and inevitable yeah. it, to the point where all of the articles were written already. Yeah, ready to go. <laughs> like I've never, I don't know that I've like we had ones that we suspected. It seemed like they were coming, but like everything's been done. We we've done two pods already about the firing of Antonio Conte before he got fired. It's it's almost like Tottenham didn't even need to do this, guys. <laughs> in your own time, we've we've covered it already. Right, we've come to terms. We're just yeah. we're just waiting for you to make it official. Um, uh, but I, I now that it has actually happened, I guess I'll just give a couple final thoughts on it. Um, look, I have. I fully expected this to happen. I've said everything that I mainly need to say about it. The only final things are I'm kind of, I'm kind of a little bit of two minds here. Um, One, like, you know, Conte, everything I've read and what I've seen this season and his general behavior and like his, the whole way about him, like he did have to go. Like he, he just did. This was, this was just, not a a healthy relationship for the club or for the manager for that matter. But I mean, when, when everyone within an organization just kind of has disdain for one guy, I mean, eventually that guy just can't be there anymore, especially when it's a person who was of such influence and power that has such a, a toxic rubbing off effect on everyone else there. I mean, you read the articles, JJ, I mean, Jack Pitt Brook, he's excellent at the athletic. We've had him on before and he wrote kind of an epic 
uh, as to why this happened. And he's talking about, you know, the players had just grown so tired of, of these rigorous training sessions that were uh, both, you know, like I said, rigorous, but also terribly boring. He says that they couldn't, <laughs> you know, the 11, 11 V zeros where they're just doing the same things over and over and over and over again uh, to the point where players couldn't wait for international breaks to come around. Just not so, not so they could go on a break so they could go tr- have different training sessions and wow. do different things. And, you know, he talks about the medical staff had, you know, was tired of him, uh, of Conte publicly going after them. Um, it just sounds like everyone, everyone within the entire setup was just didn't want to be around this man anymore. Uh, and so, like, you see something like that. And look, for him to say every player on this, like, you all heard what he said. They're all selfish. I have 11 selfish players out there. You say what you want about Tottenham. There, There's a lot of flaws on this team. I've watched pretty much every game this team has played under Conte and the managers before that. Um, there are. These are not all selfish players no. that are on that field. They are not. Um, now, I wonder, in, in hindsight, I wonder if if you had a chance to really talk to him and press him on what that comment meant. Does it is he talking about the way they play, or is there more to it? Is there stuff going on behind the scenes about you know them not wanting to adhere to his training sessions because maybe he views that as selfishness? You're not worried about the team; you're worried about yourself. Yeah, it may right. not just be that, like you know this guy he plays selfish on the field it might be more of a mentality thing who the hell knows all i know is this was again reading this is not me saying this although you know how i feel about Mourinho and those years um but the, what you read is that this was this was a, a greater level of toxicity than it was under the 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 final weeks of Mourinho, um it, which is quite a thing to say it, uh, that is something to say and and look, there'll be people listening to us now and say who'll be saying, guys, stop. Every time someone gets sacked, all of a sudden, all this stuff comes out, you know. But the detail in this makes me think that this was a manager that was not only just like not liked, but also deeply old school in the way he ran the club. And like, the, uh, yeah. Um, from what? From like a training perspective and just yeah, like... I mean, maybe... And I would love to hear from people who are like in the sports science side of things who listen to the podcast, but that running, that heavy load of running within the season, I've never I, I've never heard of that. Like, it, it seems, considering the, the, the amount of games they have to play, this seems madness. And that would really grate on players. Like... Once you get to, what was it uh, we used to say on the pod? Like, once you get to, like, Christmas or, or, like, December. I know, and I know the calendar was different this year. But, like, it, right. you don't train. It's about rest, recovery. You'll do, like, a session on the field, but it'll be tactical. This guy seems to have been, like, the exact opposite to that. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the thing also that really came to bother me about Conte, like, I don't know. You and I have talked about this before, J.J., if you're like, there's an echelon of manager out there that we consider to be great. Like there's a first, there's a, there's a top tier, like the yeah. upper class of, of managers out there. Um, and right now, or at least, you know, before he got to Tottenham, Conte was in that class. He was one of them. And like, sometimes if you're, if you're this great manager, if you're one of the best in the world, like he is purported to be, mm-hmm. you know what? Effin prove it to me. I get Show so me. bored, JJ. Of hearing "quote unquote" great managers sit there and whine about ownership 
and sporting directors not spending hundreds of millions of dollars to make a club better. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, hell, you know, spend $200 million and I could coach the team to be great. I'm not that naive. Like, I understand that it still takes a great manager to put those pieces together and turn them into something special. You know, we're seeing it with Chelsea. It's gonna, it's taking time over there, and it causes us to ask questions about that manager at times. So, like, I, I'm not I'm not so dumb to think that anyone can take a, a team that's built like that and make them great. But, like, you're one of the best in the world. It can't just be spend. Spend more. No, I need more. No, I need more than that. I mean, for the love of God, JJ, like, yes. Uh, is there times when Tottenham try to act on the cheap? Of course, we've seen it. Pochettino was probably no greater victim than him uh, from that respect. But like, it's not like they did nothing for this guy. Benton Core and Kulisevsky are two of the best players on the team. You know, this pass window, we talked about it, 60 million on Richarlison, uh, another 30 on Basuma. Mm. He wanted Perisic because that was his guy at Inter. They went out, brought him in, and, and it was on a free transfer. But for the love of God, JJ, he was getting, what, 150000 a week yeah. at Tottenham? A guy who up up in the up in years who hadn't been there before? Like, that's not something Daniel Levy normally does on a two-year deal. You know, like... It's not like they did nothing for this guy. I'm so no, tired. I, Even just now in January, what did they spend on Pedro Porro? $40 million? Yeah. This is stuff that they don't normally do. So, like, s- spare me that stuff. Coach the damn team. Like, yeah. show me that you're a great manager without just spend. I need more. No, 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 more than that. No, I need more than more than that. Like, this team, like I talked about, the old version of Tottenham, Kane would have been gone. Son would have been gone. They would have gotten these guys out and brought money back in to reinvest. That's what they used to do. They kept all these guys here. Like, so I'm just, I don't want to hear that. No, I tend to agree with you too. And I know it's a different scenario, but you look at DeJerby, comes in at Brighton and just starts coaching. Like, those weren't his players. All right. Right. You know, he's just come in and he gets after it. And, and you can see his imprint on the team. You can see tactically what he wants to do. You can see the changes between... Potter's Brighton and DeJerby's Brighton. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. It's very hard to take listening to managers complain and whine. And and if the solution is just spend, if that's what it is at the very top of football, that's that's a sad... It's lazy. I, yeah, it is. It really is. I totally agree with you. Now, the last thing I'll say on this, because I did start this by saying I'm of two minds. The second mind is of Daniel Levy for a couple reasons. And you know, I've, I've kind of stepped out of... <laughs> like out of the, the the marching orders for Tottenham fans sometimes with my support of Levy. Yes. Um, you are going against the green. Somewhere. Yeah. Oftentimes I do with him. Um, however, a couple things here. I mean, let's, let's start by going back to the last time, you know, when Levy spoke after Mourinho and he said, we have to get back to, our roots, we have to get back to, I forget the exact quote, but it was something to that effect. We, we've lost our way. We need to go back to what it is to be Tottenham. And what have they done since then? They hired Nuno, and they fired him after four months, and they hired Conte. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Conte was the wrong hire. Everyone wanted him. But if we're talking about what it is to be Tottenham, yeah, that ain't it. Nope. Whether it be style, whether it be like a certain type of manager, like again, it's good for Tottenham to be able to go out and pull in one of the top tier managers, but it's not the root of what they are. They're more about a Pochettino, a guy who's at Southampton. We're going to turn this guy into a world-class manager. You know, this is like, this felt, this was Mourinho all over again. So 
if the idea was getting back to what Tottenham, what it is to be Spurs at that position, well, he since he gave that speech, he hasn't done it. Now, the other thing I would say about Daniel Levy is like, okay, I, now I am sitting here and I'm complaining about certain things that happened under um, Conte, about certain things that happened under Mourinho. But I will say this about those two guys. They are serial winners. Everywhere they go, they do win. Even when it's bad, they've won. Mourinho at Manchester United. Now, they weren't necessarily the trophies that United wanted, but you don't <laughs> think Spurs would take a Europa League or right. a Carabao Cup? I mean, Jesus Christ. <laughs> They'd kill for it. So, like, even when it's not good, he has still found a way to win every, everywhere he goes. Um, so, like, at a certain point, Levy does need to look inward. Why can these guys win everywhere, but not here? What am I doing wrong? Right. I, can I ask you, though, do you think Daniel Levy know? Like, when, when we talk about Spurs DNA, we talk about, we think about Jimmy Greaves, Danny Blanchflower, Glenn Hoddle, Paul Gascoigne, Gareth Bale, a certain style of football. Does, does Levy know what that is? Because these hires suggest he does not. And he, that he, does, he, he has to know what it is. But he's but I think he gets I think he gets hypnotized by the trophy. He just wants and I give him credit. I think he he desperately wants that. But is he willing to do all the work that it takes to get that? Like Mm -hmm. he I think he was of the belief that the squad is close. But what we were missing was a Mourinho or a Conte, a guy who just falls ass backwards into trophies. If I get that guy, then we'll just we'll win a trophy. And he's he has had to learn the hard way that that's not true at this club. At this club, it's not true. It's going to take more, whether that's not, you know, like I said, they did spend money, but are they spending it the right way? Are they spending it on the right positions? Are there certain players who like maybe he thinks it's smart, like I'm doing the right thing. I'm keeping Harry Kane. And look, I believe that. Like, I think Kane is the best Tottenham player that I've seen maybe in my lifetime consistently. Um, But like. I don't know. Maybe the hard, maybe the right decision was the hard one. Maybe that 100 million being reinvested into other players, maybe that the way that changes the dynamic of the team, maybe that is what was needed. And maybe Levy's having a hard time seeing what that next step is. Uh so I don't know. Conte had to go, uh but problems still remain. This is not a, a quick fix and um it's a weird club. It's just weird. I don't know. How, I don't know how to describe it. It's just they're just strange. Hey, listen, you do great concerts there, really great concerts. Okay, and excellent NFL. So don't you beat yourself up. There's still a lot of good things about this club. Aren't they building like a go kart track underneath it or something? Yes, and that's the way they should go. Forget about football. It's not for you. Get into Mario Kart, large scale Mario Kart. Ah. Uh... That does sound fun. All right. I could get on board with that. I'd do that. Um, removing the, the Tottenham side of this, let's just look at Conte for a sec. So what is he now? Is he great still? Has his reputation been damaged in some way? What's the know. next club? Like, does he just, let's say Ancelotti leaves for Brazil. I know that's a rumor out there that he's going to take the Brazil job. And now all of a sudden Real Madrid becomes available, arguably the most coveted managerial position on earth. Does Conte just waltz into that or does I don't he think have to so. does he have to re-earn some kind of rep? The one thing, Andrew, that we cannot get away from 
is that the football was terrible. I know. Real Madrid will not tolerate that for a week. They will not do it. It won't happen. <laughs> so, so that is the big impediment to him going to Real Madrid, in my opinion. You're talking about the DNA of Tottenham. No, no, it, it can't happen. So, so I can think I make he... an incredibly naive statement? Go on. Can a team be like if you're out? If you're out? If you are Real Madrid, can you be? Ugly proof. Like, if you have Benzema, Vinicius, and Fede Valverde, like, can you just not help but be, but play good football? Well, that experiment was tried under Mourinho. So, so when Mourinho was Real Madrid manager, it, it, it can't last. It, they are, they have such an opinion of the way, you know, and look, there's been times when Barcelona have been far and away a better team to watch than them. But still, it's Real Madrid and there's a certain way to play. And I don't think some of the slop, the first half slop that got, ser- that got served by Antonio Conte at Tottenham would cut the mustard in, in Madrid. Yeah. I think. I mean, hearing the way he talks about spend, we need to spend. And sp- I, I feel like until he winds up at like a PSG or a, or Man City or Newcastle. And now like, you're talking. I mean, like that, I feel like those those are the places. Like he would, what Chelsea just did, is what he wanted, and it's just not like. Is that the right way to build a team? And I'm not know. saying he hasn't been a good manager, won't be a good one again. I, but I do feel like his methods are clearly different. I was going to say antiquated, but different to what's in vogue right now. Um, maybe he goes back to Italy. You know. Ends up at a club where he can send everybody on Retiro. <laughs> Would suit him. Yeah. Fast. I mean, it's, boy, these lat from like the end of Potch up through this end of Conte. What a, what a bizarre time that it has been for this club with like weird peaks, weird valleys, great moments, terrible moments. Um, I, last thing on this, I saw um, James Maw, who covers Tottenham for The Athletic. Uh, he put out a tweet, JJ, since yeah. the start of Daniel Levy's time in charge at Tottenham to to the end of this season, right. assuming that Tottenham don't make a permanent hire at manager and that it remains Christian Stellini as the interim. Did you know 9% of the match of Premier League matches under Daniel Levy will have been played under an interim manager? That's a lot. Tottenham? That's just way, way too many. That's an awful lot. Nearly 10% of games under Levy in the Premier League have been played under an interim manager. What the hell is that? The, it's, a, it's an amazing uh, rabbit hole to go down. And I want to finish on this because um, I think we've covered all the angles here. But mm-hmm. if you go into the managers of Daniel Levy at Spurs and just go through all of them, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Hoddle. Hoddle. Um, day Ramos. Won the last trophy. Vias Boas. One day I'm gonna I want to sit down and Sherwood. rank them. Sherwood. I'm gonna. <laughs> he's one of the interims. You know. Um, I'm gonna rank them. I think uh, managers under Levy. Potch has to be one. And then what? Redknapp. Well, uh, yeah, Yol. Martin Yol. Then yeah. Uh, then I don't know. Maybe it's Conte or Mourinho. I mean, like, I don't know. There's a the, drop off from one. And two to three, there there certainly is. 
the, the more time I've had to think about it and reflect on it, I really think the weirdest thing in all the weirdness of Tottenham, I really think the weirdest thing they did, okay, we're going to hire a serial winner. If nothing else, the, the football will be dreck. But if Mourinho knows how to do one thing and one thing alone, he knows how to win trophies. And he's gonna, he gets them to a Carabao Cup final, and they fire him the week before the <laughs> game. <laughs> like, What the heck was that? I don't think it got in the moment because the Mourinho end was so toxic. Like everyone was just like, yeah, he had to go. I don't think we spent enough time actually thinking about how effed up that decision was. Yeah. That like all the only thing he knows how to do is win those games. So let's make sure reason you brought him there. And then you find he through all the other BS and nonsense. He at least got you to that game and then you fired him. So weird. And they're just, they're just weird. Uh, but I guess that's what makes it fun, right? That's what I tell myself, at least. Um, JJ, tell me about France and Ireland. Oh. Um, it was a good, I think it was a very good performance by Ireland. Uh, generally kept France under wraps. And then it's one error, one mistake. The 50th minute, uh, Josh Cullen, he's in possession. We've turned the ball over. We're in front of our own goal. Find a pass. Don't give it away there. Falls to Benjamin Pavard, who still has a lot to do. A lot to do. And he strikes through the back of the ball, goes right into the top corner, just to, just with a hint of underside of crossbar. And it's 1-0. And then you're like, oh, okay, all right. So Ireland actually, you know, they rallied, created some chances. Uh, most notable was probably Nathan Collins's header, which was... Um, unbelievably well saved by uh, just plucked out of the top corner uh, by Mignon uh, in goal for in Fra- for France. Just clawed it back from the top corner. There's some amazing pictures floating around. But, um, but yeah, it was, you know, it's just so frustrating because you, you can look at that performance and you can be proud of it. But in in terms of the context of Stephen Kenny, it's another nearly. It's another, okay, we needed to get the point there, Andrew. We just Mm -hmm. needed to get a point and get a result and have something positive. And now you look up and we are away in Greece. And you can only say that the French performance indicates progress if we go now and beat Greece in Greece. You're right. on June 16th and then on June 19th we have Gibraltar that's that's before we go into France away and uh, the Netherlands at home in September but it's just it's so frustrating because they the, the team were compact they limited France we had a you know I thought it was a good performance considering the French were just I mean every substitution they made I was like oh my god are they just building footballers on the sideline here and sending them in like amazing players that they have. I mean, we did a, we conducted an exercise during the World Cup JJ where we we put out three separate French teams that we believed could have made the quarterfinals of the World Cup. I, I genuinely believe that they could have all three of them. I agree with you. I think so too. And um and that's what you're up against, you know, and and so for us to do so well and not to get something out of the game is really it's um it's tough. It's hard to take. Um, and now things only get more serious. We we have to we have to put points on the board in Greece. Well, here you know? here's the here's the one silver lining that I would try to impress upon you. A okay. the performance 
if you believe in performances meaning something, I don't know that I always do. I sometimes think every when it comes to internationals, every game is a season unto itself. But if you believe that you know it's a sign of of progress, then I think losing one nil on a wonder goal to France is not terrible. But like when you were going through this before before qualifying started, if you were going through all the matchups and doing the the math as to and all the permutations of, of how you were going to get to the number of points that you needed to get through this. My guess is the two matchups against France, you weren't giving yourselves any points in no. either of those. Now getting one would have been a bonus. It gives you maybe a chance to slip up somewhere else, which could very well happen to Ireland. They're not gonna they're not gonna beat or draw everyone they're supposed to. No. But like this is probably one that you never like I don't know, can you be mad at at a team for not getting extra credit? No, well when you're in that when but that's all, I mean, that's all the context of the game, though. When you're in position and you are playing well and you give the ball away like that for the goal and you know you can't do that, mm-hmm. um, that's the frustrating part. But it's not like France opened opened us up, really. I mean, that's not what happened. Um, so I think in the context of the game, I'm mad because it was there. There was a point that could have been taken. Uh, and now you look at it, Netherlands have got a win. They've got points on the board. Uh, Greece have got points on the board. France have two wins. And it's us in fourth with the Gibraltar popping up the table. So, I mean, the next game is just so massive. And it's a, you know, that is the real measure, measure of, of progress under Stephen Kenny. Um, can we go to Greece and get the result we need? And um, and we'll have to see. But, um, yeah, no, I just, I was proud of them. I was proud of the way they played. You know, you compare the two sides. You can't compare them, really. Um, the quality that the French have, uh, but even still, yeah. Ah, I'm sorry. That's all right. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, how did uh, how did your boy Wonder play? Yeah, tough, tough night for him. I think. Um, I thought he was at times. It's funny. At, at times, he got kind of uh, Evan Ferguson, by the way. Evan Ferguson of of Brighton and Hove Albion. There was times when he went into contact with uh, his old uh, nemesis, who he's already beaten this season twice, uh, Ibrahima Kanate of Liverpool. And you're like, how is this kid 18? Look at him holding off this guy. But it was it was a tough night if you're going to be leading the line like that. Um, and so he was starved of a lot of the ball um, for, for long periods. But um, but he did fine. I mean, he is he is fantastic. He really is. And he's one of those uh, scored on his debut against Latvia. Uh, last week, so he's he's one of those where that you're hanging on to hope for for the future. He's one of those names. I thought Shadozi Ogbeni of Rotherham did really really well. Um, he gave uh, Tio Hernandez a a tough night. Um, yeah, it was some good performances. I thought Matt Doherty for in, in, at points was good. Seamus Coleman too, good experience there. Um, and the back three of Collins, Egan, and O'Shea. It was Bazunu made a brilliant save from Rabio as well. Andrew, you know. We were we were good, and we yeah. didn't get anything out of it, and that's disappointing. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Benjamin Pavard is putting together for a guy who doesn't score goals, put together quite a YouTube compilation of of impressive goals. Um, and this was what a just he guy knows how to hit a ball. He can strike the ball, Andrew. I think sure uh, I think I think that's our analysis. Um, I don't have much else, JJ. No, uh, just to say, um, like I, I mentioned before, England. Uh, Good uh, Bukayo Saka, Harry Kane, both guys scoring goals uh, for for England in their win over Ukraine. Um, and then 
the interesting thing has been James Madison coming back into the squad. A lot of English fans have wanted to see him for quite some time. His reason for being left out of the club, was it injury? Were there other reasons where they didn't want him? It's hard to say, but it he's seemed back like in... Southgate didn't really fancy him. So. Yeah, that was that was always the impression that I got. Um, but he's back in now, and and his performance uh, was was fantastic. Um, and so we'll we'll see where that goes. Uh, we'll see where that goes from here. If that was and that's just on the back, of... that's on the back of uh, Thursday's big win um, against Italy. And I say big win. England were very good in the first half. Italy much better in the second half. Two one win. It had been a a long time since England had gone to Italy and won a game, a competitive match. So that was a very good result for uh, for England too. And they're off to a flyer and it's hard to see how they won't just romp home in their qualification group. Uh, if there's one thing they do well, they, they qualify very well. They, they've got it down. Yeah. Really, they've got it down. Not since the, the debacle where they failed to qualify for Euro 2008 have they really struggled at all. And uh, the group is, of course... England, Italy, North Macedonia, Ukraine, and Malta. So they are they are going to be home and holes pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, that's about all I got on this pod. Last thing I wanted to mention, JJ, going down to South America for a sec. We didn't talk much about it last week, um, but Messi, this Argentinian oh, yes. team in general going back to play um, in Argentina for the first time as World Cup champions, or at least for under this iteration of Argentina football as World Cup champions, Boy, that country knows how to celebrate a title. I mean, this is this is on this feels like it may never end, these celebrations. This is this is resonating in a way that I don't know if I've ever quite seen a, a World Cup resonate with a country like quite like this. It's there is some kind of bond between I mean, obviously it's a, a country that's mad about this sport to begin with, but something about Messi, all the heartache that I think has gone into this moment, all the near misses at Copa Americas, a World Cup final defeat in in extra time, Messi retiring, coming out of retirement. It was just such an emotional ride to get to this point. I think it's connected this team and this country in a way that is almost impossible for any other country to relate to. And it's made me wonder now if Lionel Messi, he was ultra famous before. You could make the case that even before he won the World Cup, we could have a real conversation, I think, as to whether or not he was the most famous person on Earth, yes. on planet Earth. But since he won, like he went out, the scenes of him going out to dinner last week, there's a thousand people outside the restaurant. I think he has reached he has reached that level where he is he is too famous. I don't know that like like what it made me, I was watching those scenes and look. Wouldn't be a, such a terrible thing to be Leo Messi, the greatest player in the history of the world. You're beloved by billions of people. Mm. It's kind of cool, but I don't think I would. I don't. I don't know that I would trade lives with that guy. We had this conversation on Saturday, didn't we? And um, I think he's the most famous person in the world by by a by a country mile. It's him, Putin. Who else? Who's in the conversation? Him, Putin. Is it arrogant to just always kind of assume that the American the president is president. just always going to be one of those people? Yeah. I think him, Putin, the American president. Who else are we talking about here? The Pope. Now, yeah, the Pope. But uh, to be in the running, it has to be somebody who resonates in like China and India because yes. those populations are and so low. he definitely large. does, though. The Pope? No. Oh, <laughs> Messi? Yes. Yeah, Messi does. He definitely does. For sure. Um, but you're right about that level of fame. It's Like, does an American movie star resonate in China and India? Cruise. You think? Yeah. 
I think okay. he's got that that level. Um, but it, Messi is in a, in rarefied air because and I think the, it's made him too famous. Where it's a life that I almost uh, I'm not sure I would actually want to live. Wh- right, and I mean the way that Argentina is connected with the the people have connected with the football team is largely all you know. Their their basically their sense of national pride comes from the football team. There's nothing else that they have. We we no no no. They have. I mean they have. The political and economic situation there means that this is their way of of showing national pride. And it's the thing they care most about. Not that they have nothing. They have lots of things. You know what I mean? But this is their, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is their shining example of their country. Um, and that's what I've been hearing from some of our Argentinian listeners. That's the way they feel. Uh, in terms of Messi, it's, you're right. It's, an, it's a claustrophobic level. It's beyond, what's worse than claustrophobia? <laughs> and, yeah. and, and there's also been, you know, since the, the death of Diego Maradona, there's this like, not there's not been a void. Messi has just come straight in and won a World Cup. He is now the, he's the godlike figure in in that country. Yeah, um, and then just like to see him then in, in that first game, he then then he scores on a free kick, a brilliant free kick, and it's just like this is this is all out of a script. When is this script going to be finished getting written? It's just like one thing after another. Might it end in Miami? <laughs> I mean, it's certainly, if, I don't know, if, you, uh, if you talk MLS, to three different people, you kind of get three different answers. If I'm putting money down on something, I yeah, I think that's where it ends. I, I think uh, the MLS executives will be absolutely doing whatever they possibly can to make him come to the league, to get him into the league while he's, while he's at this point where he just garners such interest. Um, full stadium, like MLS will sell out every single game he's at. Yes, a hundred percent. The viewing figures will be through the roof. Well, the the who, the people who need it are the people at Apple. Yes, and I wonder what sort of like financial wizardry, like how how can they can they fund it? Oh yeah, I mean it's in their interest. Definitely. How can they fund it? I mean, it may cause some kind of issues in terms of the way MLS regulates its its clubs financially. That it might cause a problem, but. It may they may look at it as a scenario where all boats rise with Lionel Messi. So yeah, don't ask too many questions. Just get him here. Um, and then the other side to it is, he will have a huge level of fame in this country because people don't realize how obsessed this country is with soccer. And also, there's the there's the immigrant element of people here who just love the game and have brought the game from whatever shores they originally came from. So there's all that that interest there. You look at the way he's treated in Argentina. Might it be actually a burden to try and go to Newell's Old Boys and finish out your career? I don't might think it, that's going to happen. Might it actually be too hard to do it? <laughs> that's a good question. I don't. I don't. He, like he couldn't get to and from his home to the. He stadium. couldn't get from the locker room to the pitch. <laughs> yeah, JJ. Who would you say? Uh, who's a player that you would say that guy is is the level of fame that I would want? Um, James Ward Prowse. Okay. I don't know the level of fame that I'd want. Yeah, I mean that's oh. a good one. He might be a little too recognizable for me. Who um, would you? You'd like you'd like the the third string fullback for Plymouth Argyle. Yeah, like yeah, no, no, no. more than that. I want to. I'd want to be Premier League famous, but only to a level where like I could go. I could go live my life 
but my ego could still be satisfied to the point where like the real ones, like the people who are the real fans, they'll still know me, appreciate me, you know, say, Hey, so I, in, in front yeah. of my wife, so I can impress her that I'm like an important person. So Matoma, he might be a, a slightly too famous as well. I'm trying to think of just the right, just the perfect sweet spot of like, Ooh, yeah. You're really thinking about this too. Yeah, there must be some like uh, I'm looking at like um what about what about like um, Johnny Evans? Look <laughs> <laughs> at the guys you're like a fella who's literally going to retire. Yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm thinking. What about Mitrovic? I think he might be a little too famous. Too too beloved in this country. You yeah, have such low self-esteem <laughs> that you you are regulating how much people can love you in this in this bizarre fa- uh, fantasy scenario. I just want to be able to live my life but be appreciated by the real ones. That's what I'm saying. Uh live your life appreciated by the real ones. What about like Lanzini maybe? Is he I, too famous at West Ham? I don't know. Um it's tough. Mark Noble, I know he's retired now, but he would have I been. I think he was, yeah, he, he was, was too almost loved. too beloved. <laughs> I can't, <laughs> I can't take this love. Uh, I'm oh. gonna think on this. Oh, Wilfried Zaha. What? Are you crazy? He's too a beloved. huge deal. Too beloved. Okay. I can't handle that. Okay, okay. Will Hughes. All right, now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. This is a window into your soul. Now we're talking. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, this was fun. All, right. All these American wins. These podcasts, they're always fun and lighthearted. I enjoy it very much. Um, oh, the whimsy. When this, when this team wins, when they're all getting along, having baby showers right out there on the field in front of everyone. It's, it's beautiful. It's just a lovely Christmas story. JJ, I enjoyed this a lot, as I always do. We'll be back later in the week. I don't even know what we'll be talking about later this week. But sometimes those are my favorite pods. So I, I suggest you all stay tuned and see whatever the hell it is that happens. I know we got Borussia Dortmund, Bayern Munich coming up this weekend. So that'll probably be mentioned on the pod. They're a classicer. Yeah, it's a big one. Hey, good stuff, my friend. To you, I say... Announce Balogun. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.